Knowledge by itself is not power. It holds the potential for power if we use it as a guide for action. Edward D. Griffith. Beware the head of the snake. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for entering the tiger's den. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for spending your time in the tiger's den. We will try not to waste it. It is Wednesday, June 14th, 2023 AD. This evening, ladies and gentlemen, a very special guest has honored the Tiger's Den. The very best of antelope and prairie dog will be served. Our current landscape has become a smoke-filled room, filled with shiftless, internally blind, corrupt garbage eaters known as politicians, special interest groups, and megacorps, and many, many more insidious, sulfur-covered creatures feeding from the trough of corruption provided by the Federal Reserve. With their pestilence-laden tentacles contaminating every form of life with corruption, lies, and social engineering, the bloated central government, hollow in moral standing, has become an illegal and rogue creature creating a carnival of chaos and corruption. Central planning has failed. The empire built by the central bank is collapsing, rotting from the head down. The central bank will remain, even if the empire collapses. The central bank will just start the process all over again. Ladies and gentlemen, inflation is rising. The war drums are pounding, and the central planners are slithering. We have a pearl-button-bangled billy of a show tonight, though, for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Angry Tiger is here with someone who can bring the information by the pound, ladies and gentlemen. So hold on, because you have the tiger by the tail. With us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest, 10,000 leagues under the information seas where you shall find her, bringing to the surface the facts and figures the central planners so desperately are trying to hide. A courageous warrior shining light on the truth. Ask authoritarian's description of a bad day, and they shall say her name. Jabba the Hutt has a bounty out on her. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to welcome the host of Deep Dives with Monica Perez. Monica Perez! Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming into the Tiger's Den. That, Tiger, was the best intro I have ever gotten. I loved it. You even threw 10,000 leagues. Why haven't I thought of that one yet? I don't, I don't know. I like know it. It's, it's poetic. I, I, I get so lucky to talk to people like you that I want to honor you guys with a great introduction. I, I, have, I happen to have a flair for it, so... You know, I, that, that's, that's my gift for you, you know, to come on the show. So basically, Thanks. uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had not heard about you until I was until the Twitter sphere. And, uh, I was impressed when I, when I picked your show up about how much, you know, you know, about a lot of stuff, but before we get going, I'm going to, we're going to get into you here. This is going to be, this is going to be great. Cause I'm going to pick your brain and ask you some questions. Is that all right? Yes, that's fine. Excellent. Okay. We always start the show off unless it's like a special episode with a, a quote about the Federal Reserve. So here's one. And it starts off like this. There are few historians who would challenge the fact that the funding of World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War was accomplished by the Mandrake mechanism through the Federal Reserve System. And that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, is one of my favorite authors, G. Edward Griffin. You know, everybody knows him. He is a uh, staple in the community that we run around in. But uh, what do you think of that quote? 
I think it's absolutely true. And I was thinking, I was just having a conversation with Keith Knight of the Libertarian Institute who was doing work on war. He's like flipped the adage, the libertarian adage, and he said, uh, um, health is the war of the state, something like that. Anyway, state is the health of war, something like that. And we were talking about- War is the health of the state, yeah. I know, but he flipped it. So oh, I don't want to miss it. Oh, okay. He something a little different with it. But I, in that conversation just a couple of days ago, I was saying like, if you look at the establishment of the Federal Reserve, it was, I think it probably was intended to- finance world war one without people noticing and that's when you just see that exponential all right it, it, with the way it comes out i did this thing with my son who's like in second grade and he had to do i don't know what the project was it was about something milk or whatever i had him look up the price of milk in 1800 the price of milk in 1900 and the price of milk in 2000 and that kind of data is actually much harder to find than you would think and i know why because i found it it was maybe it was 1890 something like that the actual dollar price of milk in dollars was lower at the end like in 1900 than 1800 which means that the productivity gains of milk production was accruing in part to the consumer. And at the same time, wages were slightly up, which means that they were also getting some of the productivity gains in the increased wages. So, but if you look at it after the Fed, it's out of control. It's like 10 cents versus $6. Right, right. <laughs> wages are not 6 600 times, you know, or 60 times as much as they were then. No, it's, you know, wages did not. So it's really what Keynes was all about was when he talks about sticky wages, he's saying you have to have inflation or people will notice that you're reducing their wages. Wages are sticky. They don't like it. So if you inflate it, they're blinded by the numbers. He didn't say it exactly like that, but it's very close to that. Like I can find quotes that like- No, no, that's exactly, yeah, you just, you broke it, you distilled it very yeah. well for, for the viewers. And that's what we like to do here is we like to, we, we call it working man's English because they make financial talk this big, complicated, mystical thing. And you know what? I'm a, I'm a normal guy. I don't have a formal education. I have not been to any universities or even colleges. I've, you know, trade colleges and stuff like that. And uh, um, actually community college just for theology because it was very interesting to me just because I wanted to learn about it. But but when you when you look at this stuff, I looked at it and from, a, a, from my perspective in life, I'm like, what a con. What a scam this, this central mm -hmm. bank thing is. And then I started looking into it deeper and deeper. It was, I think I started in 2008 with the Ron Paul campaign. I liked what this guy was saying. It made sense. And then that opened up my eyes, but that's enough about me. I, I, so here's, you are a special guest and I want, I want to know basically, um, number one, tell us a little about, bit about yourself and what led you to where you're on my podcast talking about libertarian <laughs> ideas and the federal reserve and stuff like that. Uh, well, I, I mean, I'm going to do this as, comprehensive and concisely as possible, if it's possible for those two things to live in the same sentence. <laughs> uh, I, so I'm like, my, my origins are kind of, uh, humble. I'm the youngest of nine and really had no, my father, I don't know if he got this way or he started out this way or what, but his general rule was that the boys would have to be breadwinners 
and they could go to college if they wanted to. And the girls just shouldn't because it would be a waste. You know, it's like a friend of mine said, it's like pouring water in a shoe. Educating a woman is like pouring water in a shoe. Either the water runs out or you ruin the shoe. Wow. <laughs> it took me so long till recently. I heard that like 20 years ago. It took me so recently. I was like, oh, I get it. Either it doesn't work, but if it works, it ruined, like then you're ruined. And in a way, it kind of did ruin me because I fell for this nonsense. So I, you know, convinced I dropped out of high school because I was kind of believed what he was saying. And then my mother got upset. So I went to community college and I transferred to Harvard because that was one like, well, if you go to Harvard, it's probably worth it. Except for your turn. Wow. I'm, I'm talking to a Harvard person. Holy moly. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. So we, we have something when we mention Harvard or the Federal Reserve. You hit the gong. Did you hear the gong? Yeah, we usually hit the gong. Okay, so now go on. Okay. So um so I'm writing something down for later. So uh my father I, I made the logical argument. He's like, not only is yeah, so college isn't worth it. You're really better off taking that money and like opening a business, even though he was a struggling businessman this whole life. It gave him heart attacks when he finally was successful, he had heart attacks and lost everything. And no, I don't know why he was trying to tell me to do that kind of thing. But in any case, I I was like, well, what if I went to Harvard? He's like, eh, maybe. And I did get a scholarship to Harvard. And uh, wow. And he still was upset because he thought I would come out a socialist, which was stupid because by the time somebody is 18 years old by then, or I was 20 by then. So he, he was conservative leaning. He was, he was a traditional conservative. He was a trad like, cat. I called him libertarian, but he didn't. Not he, a John Bircher, but like a track, like, uh, well, he might've been a John Bircher, but they started got like bigoted and stuff. So he would read, like, he liked William F. Buckley. Like they, okay, they like gotcha. National I, that's all you got at Buckley is all you need to say. Gotcha. Yeah. But Buckley's a CIA agent and, and right. to my father's credit, he didn't know he was a CIA agent, but after a while later in life, he was just like, there's something wrong with that guy. It's and not as bad as like Hannity today, but like are in the same kind of like realm of, I like, know my mother falls for the Hannity thing. It's so stupid, but, but anyway, so I, uh, yeah, he thought I would come out a socialist, which is in, I, I think, you know, by the time a kid is 20, if there's any chance of that, especially if they're raised by a non-socialist is just the expression he used. So I ended up going to Harvard for a couple of years. I, I went as a junior and a senior, they gave me a scholarship. I got the degree, took it, you know, they can't take that away from you. It was an extremely painful experience. That's when I coined my lifelong, my the mantra of my life, which I sadly have had to pass on to my children who use it, <laughs> which is, they may have to carry me out on a stretcher, but I'm not quitting. Nice. And that's how I got through Harvard. It's how I went to Stanford and law school wow. and business school. And the business school wasn't bad, but the law school, I mean... I, they almost carried me out on a stretcher. It was a very emotionally painful. I'm not even talking about like the work and, and Harvard actually ended up with good grades, but as law school, I didn't, I figured it out at the end. You just have to memorize so much stuff. I, I always thought I could wing it, but anyway, yeah, it was quite emotionally painful. I don't know why I just, Ma Monica, you don't have to answer, answer this question, but I want to ask you, what did your dad say to you after you did, you graduated all that? I mean, I'm I'm stunned that I'm you're telling me all this. I'm like, what a great story! Yeah, right? an amazing story. Yeah, I know. And then at a certain point, people will be like, "Well, anybody who went to Harvard and Stanford is a Fed." But if you look at like the 
the lack of success that I've experienced at the hands of, uh, of, yeah, I mean, you just, whatever. I mean, how are you going to know the antichrist? Well, he's going to say stuff that is wrong. <laughs> you know? You're going to, you have discernment. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, um, what did my father say? So he knew I wasn't a socialist. He liked that. I, I mean, he just always a neighbor. I, we had, we had a Jewish neighbor who was horrified that my father was not impressed that I got into Harvard. And he like consistent with the Jewish culture in New York, especially he really respected education, this guy, Mr. Lichen. And he came over and he said to my dad, he was like, you don't know how hard it is to get into Harvard. Like you should be proud of her. And my father's like, I, I didn't need to hear from him that I should be proud of you but I did make reservations at like the nicest restaurant in town and I'm taking you out to dinner tonight. And this guy ended up in his later years being a truck driver, had no extra, like it was, I was ashamed. Like I didn't even want him to take me to a nice restaurant, but he, but he, he did know it was something to be proud of. And he was proud of me because I then became an investment banker and people said nice things about me at my wedding and everything, but he really wanted me to, he felt like a woman's place is in the home. And I, and it's, it's funny because I never really took that seriously at all. Like not even a little bit. I laugh in his face and I used to get like, great, obviously get, have to have pretty good standardized test scores to get into schools like that. Like I, I obviously was somebody who was going to add value academically if I could sit behind a desk. And I, and so I had kids and even though, so my first child had down syndrome, has down syndrome, and I didn't end up working like as an investment bank or anything like that after he was born. Um, but even though I was basically home, I did radio stuff. I did this kind of stuff. It was more flexible and it just made no money at all. Actually probably cost money at the end. But, um, but I, the damage was done in that. And I'm going to blame society, which I don't normally blame society. I'm going to put it in quotes. I don't even know what it means, but I had it in my mind that being a mom uh, was not a job. So I just thought it was an afterthought because they tell you, you know, you are trained and I, I, to say they, I don't know, like when you have guidance counselors, when you go to school, when whatever you do, like women, girls, like they can do this, they can do that. Yes, they can. You can do whatever you want. But the idea that you could have a full-time career and have kids without really having to think too hard about that, I think put in my mind this idea that it wasn't in itself like a full-time job that you had to think about being good at. Right. So I kind of took it as an afterthought and like kind of occupied myself with other things. I was home. I was always home and it was important. And a lot of this stuff was kind of distorted because having a child with Down syndrome, you just, you are really just making sure everyone's staying alive. Like you're not really doing the greatest job of, teaching them nuance. And like, I probably would have learned how to like make sauerkraut a lot sooner if I didn't have my head outside the home base. Right. Okay, like my father would be much, much prouder of me having learned how to make sauerkraut, <laughs> you know? And, I get what and, you're saying. And he didn't live long enough to hear me on the radio. Like that would have, he would have to hear a libertarian on the radio. I mean, he was enough of a libertarian to like recognize. He liked Ron Paul. He loved Ron Paul. He gave to Ron Paul's congressional campaigns in the seventies. Oh, wow. So you want to understand that to get to that question. But so he would have not, he would have been 
amazed that someone could be on the radio and, and cite those kind of principles and that it was me. Like he just would have, I think he would have like died and gone to heaven, but he died and went to heaven before. (laughs) So he doesn't know. Well, he's watching, I'm sure, but. Yeah. Anyway, wow. I can keep telling you everything about my story, but I'll just like breathe and you can that, Yeah, let me let me give you a, <laughs> let me give you a, let me let me be a gracious host here. Yeah. You are absolute that that's such a story. I know. You're a trooper. It's amazing. I mean, you are a trooper. Um uh, my my mom worked with uh uh down down oh, syndrome yes, children. Definitely. She taught she taught them yeah. uh you know, they they would come over and she taught a class for them. You know, and I remember being little and them coming over and teaching a class to them and all that. And I remember, you know, she was, I'm like, why are you so nice to them? Why are you nice? Because I was a little, right? I didn't understand. I didn't even recognize anything was wrong with them. They were just, you know, older kids to me. You know, she's like, they're, there's, you yes, know, they're special. Cool. They're, God made them special. You know, yeah. I remember her they're saying things. that. And then I know a few people actually now that, that have some, some kids that have Down syndrome or some other issues going on. My grandson, um, he has you have a, a grandson. I, I have a grandson and a granddaughter. He has a little bit of uh, he's autistic a little oh. bit from, I believe from the vaccines. Um, but yeah, so, but my granddaughter, she's, she's doing great. She's uh vaccine free. We're just trying to find some doctors that will see them without, you know, them being vaccinated. Yeah. That's, or, you that's know, rough you to do right now. Have but to learn a lot about health and try to avoid, but that is not health advice by any means to anyone listening. I know, I know. I'm not a doctor and neither is Monica, but, nope. um, <laughs> That is true. So here, here's here's a question for you. So what what made you start the podcast itself? I mean, you did radio. Did you mm-hmm. do that for a while? Or yeah, and I didn't mean to do it at all. I was actually studying to be a financial. I wanted to get a CFA, which I got a chartered financial analyst. It's like a credential you need to be working a hedge fund or whatever. And I was home with kids, and I was bored, and I was like, let me just start accumulating credentials so when I can go back to work, I'll have something to do. And it was such a challenging experience. It made my mind go on fire. So every time, like anything I paid attention to, like I was just in such an analytical mode, and that's when I discovered anarcho-capitalism, and I completely embraced it. And I just happened to meet a radio producer, told her, I would just explain to her like Hans Hermann Hoppe and everything. And she went nuts for it, got me on the radio. And then after a long time, eight and a half years, I was on there. I they, The company was being sold and I kind of had a feeling, I just didn't think anybody, anybody would would go for it besides this particular program director who was leaving when they, when they took over the new people took over and I, and COVID broke and whatever. But, but even before COVID, I was like, I'm going to prepare for the worst. And so my sidekick at the time on the air, Brad Binkley and I, I just wanted to do a daily show that was like radio. Cause I had been on the weekends on the radio training for a daily show. It took the, my predecessor 13 years to get a daily show. And uh, it was fine with me because I didn't want to do, I, you know, I wanted to wait till my kids were out anyway, but I knew it was never going to happen. So I said, let's just do it on a podcast. Like just do the news every single day and have it out by the time people are in their cars in the evening. And then they don't have to listen to that propaganda. So right. it was called the propaganda report. And that show was the drive time news blast. And it really, it really scratched that itch for people. And especially it was like three years ago. So there's been like a, proliferation of all sorts of podcasts since then. But that I think, and being right before lockdown, when we were the only ones who were really talking about 
like what we really thought was going on. And because I'd had this big radio following or like some radio following, which is bigger than most podcasts that I had a lot of people just kind of slide in. Cause I had been telling them like this lockdown is going to be two years, not two weeks. And, you know, I just had some credibility there and then, uh, and it worked, it really, it was very effective and it was definitely perfect for that time. And then it just got too much. It was too difficult to maintain. And I, I had to stop doing it every day, which makes me like want to cry, but that's okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because no. it, it was something of real value and you rarely, do you really have that terrible choice? And the same thing with investment banking. Like I moved to get married out of New York. I was a high yield investment banker. And my boss was like, you don't understand this job is so hard to get. Like you have this job, like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm getting married. He's like, bring him here. He could be a kept man. You can keep him. And I was just like, but I'm the one who's going to have the kids and he has to have a job he likes. And it just, you know, so yeah. there's just a couple of times in life when you have to make a really horrible, terrible, like a choice between two goods, which I guess is better than a choice between two bads. You know, I, I have a philosophy. It probably doesn't help me a lot financially. Right. But th this is my philosophy. It, it, it helps me though. I, I'm very happy. And, and I think you, you catch this a little bit with what you just said. Your most valuable commodity isn't your gold or your silver or your Bitcoin or, or you know, your, uh, you know, your, your fiat dollars. Your most valuable commodity is your time. And you have to make decisions. Every decision you make is going to be, how am I spending this time? This time is, and it's not quantifiable. You don't know how much of it you have. So every decision that you make is important. Every second. Now you can't macro micromanage life happens, of course, right? I'm a student of the human action, right? I understand this, right? But the, the thing is, is that you have to spend your time where it's most important, right? Where where it's most value value for yourself or your like you, you know, you apparently you're a little bit selfless because you were thinking about your husband and he has to have a job that, to make him happy. You have your kids. Right. And your time is more valuable to them than it is for this big job that this guy's like, hey, you got this big job. It was here. just filthy lucre. And boy, <laughs> did I like filthy lucre. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I, liked I, it. I like living the high life. But I knew I wanted to have kids. And I knew that I, I would just so, like earlier, I said that I undervalued motherhood, but I knew I couldn't be an investment banker and have kids that I knew. Probably because my father drilled it into my head. But yeah. And do you think that was really it? Or do you think that was because you assessed the situation and said, this is, isn't going to coincide with me having a family? I, I just didn't want, I knew I wanted to have kids and I knew I didn't want somebody else to raise them. Gotcha. Very good. Yeah. That's the state. Yeah. And that, that brings us to, um, but I, I still JT. don't feel like I did a great job. Like I thought just being there was enough, but I probably could have been better at it. Listen, I, 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 I was a very young parent, you know, I, I don't Apparently. feel like I, I did a great job. My, I, my, my son, you know, um, I'm very proud of him. You know, he's proud of himself. He went from a very bad place in life to very successful family man now. And right. it, you know, that's, and I, you know, that's I did what I want. could. You will watch your children. Do you have more than one? More than yes, I have the one who has. I have three kids, one of each. I have a guy with Down syndrome. I have a girl, and I have a boy, and they're all like almost the same age. So, like they're so all like one, two, three. You're gonna get to a point, Monica, when you're watching your children raise your children, and they're passing on those values that you passed on to them. 
or they're, you know, you're, and to see that I can't describe to you the treasure that that is to see that, you know, and I'm young and I'm lucky I'm seeing it at my age. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. And I had somebody say to me recently and I really took it to heart. I've been watching out for it because we had a really tough time during lockdown. My kids were all teenagers. They were all in high school. They were in new schools. It was terrible, terrible. LA was the worst place to be. And I was like worried and just was not good. And I said, and somebody said to me, and I was complaining that I really could, I should have gotten ahead of it. I don't know why I was like, not such a, I didn't have enough discipline. And I, you know, I just, what was wrong with my, how did I not see this coming? And uh, a really cool, smart, older, like parent older than I, and uh, said, you will see your, what you modeled for your children is what they're going to remember. So when the chips are down, they're going to remember what you did. Yes. They're not like your parenting and what you said is not what matters the most. It's their modeling behavior. Then of course I had to think about like all my cocktail hours and <laughs> I was like, right. oh, shit, that's worse. <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. Believe me. You could have not have done, you're not going to do any worse than, than I had to make the mistakes I did. So don't worry. But Hey, Real quick, you said something about leaving your your kids to strangers. And JC, I think JC might be one of your viewers. Yes, I'm yes. not sure, but hey, thanks for viewing us in the for Tigers sure. then here, JC. But she says inquisitive people will inevitably seek out the truth on their own. This is why public schools try their hardest to beat the curiosity out of them. That is a that's you know I agree with that 100. percent Great comment. Intelligent viewers, I see as well, just like over here in the Tigers den. I always had the smartest callers on radio. That's what they said. Because at first they were like, you're too intellectual. And then they heard the callers and they were like, wow. And then they right. also said that you would never really get much of the black community in Atlanta, which was half black. I was like, you're abandoning half of the market. And because I was speaking like truth about the the bullshit at the, sorry, I'm using vulgarity and you're not. So excuse no, me. <laughs> but um so about like, just don't like Democrat, Republican nonsense. I got so many viewers and demographics that they had abandoned. But anyway, so I love my, my, uh, the crowd that I've built up over the years. You know, people have a lot of misconceptions because of the, the propaganda machine. We are, we're in a, they're using the natural, we have a natural, um, instinct to be tribalistic right mm-hmm. you know if, if you walk into a place Absolutely. and everybody has brown hair and brown eyes yeah. right and you're comfortable if you walk into a place and everybody has blonde hair blue eyes yeah you're gonna feel a little uncomfortable atlanta right and that's just natural <laughs> street in atlanta i just told my daughter i was like you were the only brown haired girl on your soccer team and she's <laughs> like i know i love it and i was like yeah that's because that now it's okay but like you know in the day so, so they use that against us though. Right. You know, it's, and it's a shame because you watch the general public and they're in this haze and you, you know, you get frustrated. Like I was listening to one of your podcasts and you had mentioned that um, the skull and bones and how Alex Jones had had, had that lady on who came out yes. with the list. I can't remember. Her name. Yep. Yes. Thank you very much. And, uh, that's why we need people like you. You're the memory banks. Yes, <laughs> I have memories. Yeah, that's good. You do. Good you do. Yeah, outstanding. And, um, you know, you were talking about that. See, and here's the thing. This is what I like about, about, about your work is there's two things. The first thing is you say things in a way that are very, you say things that are, are very hard for the normal aggregate to swallow. Correct. 
but you say them in a way that is calm, precise. You know, it's you explain it in an intellectual way. So you give the all the, the NPR intellectuals and all the intellectuals that they have all over the place that have gone to Harvard, right? And they they wouldn't throw dirt at me. Oh, you're an auto mechanic with a podcast? I'm not coming on and talking to you. All right, dude, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't judge you by the way, you know, because because you went to Harvard. Maybe I should be not like you because I know. That. Thank you for that. No, Thank you for I not mean, judging me for that. No, absolutely. No. Well, you, you know, you, you watch my, you obviously yeah, seen a little exactly. bit of my work or check me out. You know, I'm nobody. Right. So it's like, you, you know, that's cool. Well, you're a friend of Chris's. So that's yes. me. Chris Graves, the mastodon <laughs> of research is actually, he had a comment up there. I'm going to throw up there, but uh, you know, this is the thing he like he likes chatting with you. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm glad that, that he was able to make this happen because he knew that we could talk about stuff. Yeah, but I will say the reason I throw I I throw my credentials around, which was, you know, it's bad. It's like bad manners. Like I went to Harvard, but I found when I was on the radio that it was very it was harder to dismiss me as a crackpot. If I, you know, had those credentials that were in there, you know, that's it's like when you quote the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal and say, look, I'm not saying that that's a source I consider to be credible. It's a source you consider to be credible. And that's why I'm quoting it for you, because right. it's proving my point And you think it's credible. You think Harvard's credible. I I, I was um, someone was explaining to me a, a girl uh in our neighborhood was going to Yale. And I was like, oh, that sucks. I liked her. And and <laughs> you know, you know, like. That and I'm not I'm not being rude about Yale or whatever. I'm just saying, like, I literally had that thought. I was like, I guess it's you know, and 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 I had the follow up thought, like maybe 20 years from now she'll come back around. But right now, I'm sure she has stars in her eyes, and just like uh, you know, it, whatever like camera paper, whatever she goes, like she's going to just absorb it because it's it's like magical. But of course, I've been on that track, and really all the I think that what they are doing for the most part is just getting you into that machine where you work. I was working easily 16 hours a day, easily for years on over 50% taxes. Cause I lived in Manhattan and Oh yeah. Over 50% taxes. And, and there's no like personal deduction in the beginning. Like they start just taking it all away. So like you are 50% of your money is gone and it costs like 10 times as much. To it's live like China, there. you know, uh, you know, I've done a lot of business with firework companies and, and, and electronic companies and they, they pretty much take 50% of their profit. Yeah. And, and that, right. So I always wonder like what, what good is the American dream and why was the revolution even fought when we have really the same effective tax rates as all the other social democracies in the country. But uh, I feel like they just put you in. I, I remember saying to my husband, like, halfway through, you know, this journey together, I was like, hey, man, every time you get a raise, you get pushed into a higher tax bracket. You work harder. We have to live closer to the city because you're never home. And what's the point? Like, we we will literally, we never saved any money for years and years until a little bit recently. And, uh, and now we're going to have to save it for retirement and kids going to college. You know what I mean? So it's not even like, oh, let's whatever, buy a condo in Hawaii, which is my ultimate dream. But it's nice. that, you know, you just had to, I, and I said, like, I think we'd be better off, like moving to Idaho, you know? And he's just like, what are you talking about? I've worked too hard. I've come too far. And like, you're not there yet. 
It's a lot. You, you, those are sunk costs. And then, and, and it happened again more recently. And he was just like, you know, <laughs> you, you might've had something there. This is a lot of hard work. And I feel like, you know, but he enjoyed it. That's why it was important to me that he was going to enjoy it. Cause I knew right. he was doing it. Like I was, <laughs> I was going to do what I needed to do to raise those kids and stay interesting. I think a lot of the podcasting and stuff makes it, you know, I want to have the respect of my family and in the world because I want them to take seriously my opinions and what I say. I don't want them to believe me or follow me or anything, but I want to have some standing. And I feel like, I feel like if your community respects you, your kids might have a little more, you know, I don't know, think twice before they disrespect you. I, I get it. And right now in this world, uh, genuine people um who live and stand on their principles is is it's fleet they're fleeting um i respect you because you do that uh chris graves um all of the fellow podcasters that i'm involved with been on their shows they've been here they're all very similar some of the podcasters that you know bigger podcasters i listen to right like david knight people like that they are standing on their principles I don't think any of them are doing this a hundred, you know, for the money. I, th I think just enough to, to keep everything running. Some of them in, in, in some cases, um, but they're doing it because they're, they believe in what they're saying and they want to help other people one way or the other. You're like fireworks. Fireworks is a love, a labor of love. I've done, you know, wholesale, real tail, public display, the whole gambit. And in the end, you know what it is, Monica, it's moving heavy cardboard boxes around by the thousands, you know, by the time I'm done, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of pounds of fireworks I have really moved in my career of fireworks, right? Which I'm wow. no longer doing that. But how do you have all your fingers? Yeah, yeah. No, no, Excellent. yeah. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, so but but the thing of it is, is is it was a labor of love, right? That it wasn't and, and I think when you find genuine people who do something and it's a labor of love, it's a rarity. And I think that that's fleeting because I don't, I think we're, we're, and as a society, we're getting extremely shallow, you know, mm -hmm. we're losing our depth. We're about down to the knees here. Well, I want to correct my, or elucidate what I was saying. And now that you mentioned that I said, I, I was, I wanted to have some respect in the outside world and stuff like that. But as it happened, I actually, because when I did, like uh, Chris was saying about the Boston Marathon bombing, it's true. Like I definitely got the attention of like feds and stuff because I was on the radio telling the truth about the Boston Marathon bombing, which is like for a story for another day. But um, as I discovered these truths, because it was a call-in show, I had to always have the answers. I come up with such untouchable opinions that it's, you know, my kids aren't always we don't tell people I have a podcast. <laughs> right. No, me too. Yeah. yeah I get so I thought from. like, as I was on the radio, I thought this is cool. You know, that I'll be like a little celebrity. And funny enough, we kind of have to try to keep that separate because it, and, and I'm I, like, I'm not saying that everybody in my house agrees with what I say. They respect me. They don't um, think I'm like crazy, but not everybody, like a lot of this stuff, if you have political, if you have a political, um, ideology that you that's inflexible you don't want to hear facts that about the people you believe in right you know like so it it wasn't it wasn't what i expected so i, I just wanted to clarify that although no i got you motivation, no. it wasn't actually definitely doesn't keep me going because it has not been a net 
like, oh, look at mom. She's awesome. <laughs> right, that has right. not always been the case. No, no. And, and don't give me, no, no, please. Didn't, I hope you didn't take me the wrong way. No, no, no. no I just and, want to be clear. And, I like and the Harvard thing, throwing that credential around is yeah. excellent because it gives you weight. What you say, That's right, listen, yeah. we need, this is the problem. What you and I say, okay, and I and I preach this on my thing. Now I I get upset when I start thinking about this, and I and I go off on tangents. So I'm not going to do that because you're here. But um, we get mixed up with stuff that I can't prove, like lizard people, like um, you, you know, um, underground bases, and 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 weird stuff, like even even into the religion stuff. I get that. I understand there's extreme connection. The symbolism. Okay, the, uh, the, you know, people wearing masks, the Q-tards. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't, li- I don't like the Q thing. Um, that was a CIA yeah, mind psyop operation from the beginning. Q, I mean, like a uh, Q level clearance, like the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a It was, it was plain to I see know. these guys who are being led around. It's a psyop. I know talk- because I was starting to wake people up on the radio. Like I had these particular callers who would call and they would give me information and it was so great. They were absolutely giving, you know, big snaps when I would tell a truth about something like the bus marathon bombing or whatever. And all of a sudden they started calling with 60,000 indictments and adrenochrome. And I was like, keep yeah, your eye yeah, exactly. on the ball. Water what are you talking and... about? Like, stop, trust the plan. And it's you know just... what though? No, no, you know what? The, the, the grand poobah of conspiracy talk did not help that he poured gasoline on that fire. Oh, of course. Like of course. I, I'm, ch- I'm, ch- I'm checking the water with you. I don't know your feelings on things. Okay. So I'm checking. Oh the no, water definitely. With you. Oh, come on. I, Oh, I'm probably too far. I think Edward Snowden and Julian Assange are uh, sketchy too. Really? Oh, Interesting. Yes. We must talk about this some other time. And listen, a real quick, uh, we're not going to get into it because uh, you know, because uh, of what you said, but we, we got to talk if you would like to one day, Chris Graves, you and I, I would love to talk about the Boston bombing. But as a fireworks guy, okay. they said that they used fireworks inside of a pressure cooker yeah. and did this. Okay. Oh. I'm, I'm telling you right no, I now. I think the powers that be put fireworks in the garbage can and did this. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you could put, I don't care. What, Sorry, that's not could, funny. I don't know if it was, I'm not saying, <laughs> I never went down to like hoax thing with that. I don't, I don't know about that. I just know the story was not. Right. You could have put fireworks in Bill Clinton's brass tuba for all I care. And it w- they would not have done what that did. Right. That was a high explosive. Fireworks are a low compound explosive. They can't shred stuff the way that that, that stuff was shredded. I mean, they, they show you the pictures and the evidence and all that. There's just, that's not low compound explosive uh, material right there. You know, I, we, 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 we used to go to classes how to build fireworks. I've built my own artillery shells and stuff that you launch in the air. So I know for a fact that even if they were using professional grade fireworks, that was not going to that. So the Boston bombing thing, I'm glad that you actually got into that and you were on the radio and your radio station was good with that. That's unbelievable. I know that's what people can't. That's why I had this, this one program director who was super old school and it was the Boston marathon marathon bombing that we had a, a real like last minute emergency meeting. Cause I had the woman who she's one of my absolute best friends. Now she was the one who discovered me and she was my producer at the time. 
And I said, uh, she didn't want me to come out and tell what I really thought about the Boston Marathon bombing. And I was like, you know what? I stayed up. I was, I was filling in for somebody in prime time. I think like Erickson or somebody crazy like that, like by 400,000 listeners. And normally I had like 40,000. So I stayed wow. up all night because I had callers. I had to get the answers. And this was when the scales fell from my eyes. So before that, I didn't even know 9-11 was an inside job. Wow. So, no, yeah, I didn't know. Wow. So, okay. Yes. So you're like, yeah, you're I, upside down. Tell me about, I please tell to. me about how you this made you feel and all this other stuff. Go on. Yeah. So I said, no, I mean, I've been up all night. Like I, there, I found the pictures of this guy getting arrested. Like he was in the CIA and Tamara Linster and I have, but like, I have all of this, like, I'll tell you the documentation. I have pictures of him. Like, I know what I know and I can't, I've cracked the code. This is what my show is like. I'm cracking the code. I fucking cracked the code. And I was so nervous about getting on the radio because I would have to like answer calls. I was just so nervous that I did extra homework. You know, I went to Harvard, I did extra right. homework, you know? So I did all this homework and I was like, I have to come up with something other people haven't come up with. And I, and I actually did. And she was like, you can't say that. I'm like, what do you mean I can't say it? I said, I wasn't even like, I'm only telling the truth. I was like, if I don't say that, I've got nothing to say. Like, this is my show. I can't not say it. This is the answer. I mean, I can't go on if it's not this. And it wasn't me like I'm telling the truth. It was me having no other material but the truth. And she she conferenced me in with the program director. And she was like, Monica wants to go say this. And people are going to run and scream. And he said, well, do you have good reasons for what you think? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you, do you, can you tell the difference between what you know and what you think, you know, what your opinion is like, can you distinguish and t talk about the evidence? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, then go for it. He said, we don't want people running and screaming. So don't, you know, scream and raise your hands in the air, but like you can, if you, if you bring it out slowly, you can do it. And, uh, and we never look back except for, there were some things I wouldn't like, I wouldn't go nuts about nine 11 because too many people would just shut down. I lost many listeners when I even hinted, even privately that I knew about 9-11. So I just didn't because it was just going to ruin, you know, I would just have half the audience in there. What's the point of that? Right, right. No. But I, towards that, the that, end, I did start talking about it. And that might be when I, you know, I lost the job. That That, that is interesting. Well, that is, wow, what a story. Um, Chris says, Tiger, the photo show, nothing was shredded. Yeah. Not even the banners I, directly in front of it. Dave McGowan pointed this out and much more inconsistencies. Shepard Smith on Fox News said the exploit. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and well, this is the thing, Chris. Yeah, I'm aware of that, but their 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 initial their excuse was that the 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 explosives were fireworks, and if you put in a pressure cooker, and if you put explosives, if you put fireworks in a pressure cooker, it's not going to be able to. When I said shred, I was I was my you know my my brain is like a river, right? And I'm picking the words out anyway. When I said shred, I mean they would blow the lid off the thing at the worst. It's the fireworks aren't. Are, are not burning at a rate fast enough to blow that thing apart at, at best they could blow the lid off of that thing so any kind of decimation or destruction caused by the low compound explosive is impossible that's that that's what i was getting at and but, what about the level of destruction that is now attributed to fire so fire yes. can bring down Trade centers to fire could bring down I-85 in Atlanta. There's another another highway supposedly collapsed because there was a fire underneath it. A fire. These things right. are forged in fire. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, they're in smelting pots. You have to like close it off because it cannot get open flame, cannot get that hot. 
and, and, then, and, and then, just, he, then he points out that there's an explosion halfway up a building at the Lenscrafter store on, on Boylston Street. The glass from the store was blown outwards. Now, right, I'm hip, man. Yeah, and he also goes on. I love Chris. He's like <laughs> the detailed man. Did somebody <laughs> wind him up? We wound the, the, him up. The pressure cookers were too big to even fit in them. That's another thing. And we're the wrong color. Yeah, you're right. I just wanted to point oh, out. Oh, yeah, the, all that, all that. Come on, Chris. That's basic. I just wanted to point is, out how ludicrous it was from a firework man's point of view. Yes. To try well, to try to. We'll have to. I, I've talked a lot about the Boston Marathon bombing. So my listeners have heard about it. But if you and Chris want to come and talk about, you know, anything on my show that you, you know, I'm, I love what I like from guests. Like I don't need big time guests. I don't, I don't like to talk to the same person everybody else is talking to. So I like people who write articles and I like people who do research. So if you want to bring a deep dive to my show, you're welcome. Excellent. Excellent. It. So let's Maybe figure we'll... something out with Chris and we'll do something cool. That sounds good. Which uh, one more thing I wanted to point out to our viewers that have, are not familiar with you just in case you again, like I said, we were you reach you, you talk to other people with different opinions. You had an intelligent, you know, discourse with them, and that is extremely beneficial, I think, and healthy. Because I don't, I, I think that if we pick a little bit of here, a little bit there, it was a you know, a small minority that started. And when I say revolution, I mean in thinking, okay, the revolution, right? And we need a, a revolution in thinking here right now and but i don't think we have the critical mass that we need we, we got to get a little bit closer and i think if we could pull a couple from the left they're not witches over there right no gonna, i know right? i want to i want to reach over that's why i like jeremy kuzmarov and i want i was thinking what i really want to do and so anybody who wants to make a suggestion of a particular person somebody they think that i would be you know, kind of on a par with who has an audience. I need somebody with an audience for this reason to do, um, you know, once a week or once a month or whatever, a, like a double show is you want the callers. So I would do calls. You want the callers to disagree with you. Yes. That's how you bridge that divide is that if you, you can't have a lefty listen to something, you know, a truthy thing where that their point of view is not represented. So you need them to, you need to answer their questions, but if you don't know what their questions are, they are not going to get addressed and you're not going to convince them. It'll seem like straw man arguments. It'll seem like you're cherry picking your, so if you have right. where everybody listening, like if all these chats over here was like, yes, but Monica, didn't you think about this? If that was something you could put up on the screen right now, then we could actually change minds or at least open minds to thinking. Right. And that's what I want to do. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I, 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 I we want to build a community of people who are using, using their intellect and, and, you know, I, I a question for you. I, I have you here. I mean, because you're you're so smart. I, I there's so many things I want to ask you, and I I want to be careful not to waste my time with you because time is our most valuable commodity. Well, I love um, your thing. Do you do radio? Uh, you no. need to do voiceovers. No, <laughs> no, I'm an auto body mechanic and a nice. uh, and a regular mechanic. Um, and yeah, I do a couple of side businesses, but no, no radio. This I just started doing this in uh, in November, and, and it kind of fell. I fell into it by accident. To but be I honest, oh, you'll have to tell me that story. And first, I have to tell you that my father had the first Texaco station in the city 
He it was a 24 hour thing in Little Italy on Carmine Street. Oh, wow. And uh, it gave him three heart attacks. And so he had to sell it shortly before the gas crisis made all of so, his friends rich. <laughs> so, again, uh, if, if you mind me asking, you don't have to answer this. What, what, it was your father Italian? No, but it was the Italian neighborhood. So, man, if he didn't have uh, tight lips, he'd probably be in concrete right now. Yeah. Being raised by Italians is an interesting thing. I'm not, um, I'm not Italian. I know I look it, but I'm not. Right, 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 right. No, I'm, yeah, I'm Italian a hundred percent, but yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a different thing. Oh my thing. gosh. Hold on. Put up Chris Graves last comment. I have to tell you what I thought that said. <laughs> I honestly thought it said tiger is a porn bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm glad what? it did not. <laughs> what the hell? I was like, Chris. That would have been, yeah, that would have been. It looks like that. Sorry. So yes, tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, what was I going to say? So I don't know. That the, threw me off. Okay. So I know. Here. I'm sorry. I looked Italian and, we, we, uh, it's weird being raised by Italians. Yeah, it is. But, but okay. So really quick, are there stupid people in Harvard? Are there stupid? I don't Are there, are there people who are in Harvard who, they're not, this is what I don't understand. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I don't I, have a yeah. university education. How come a Harvard graduate who studied economics, who studied all this stuff, right? This real, I'm getting a little fired up right now, but they, 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 they and they paid all this money. And I, I, I have no formal education and I can understand that Keynesianism versus Austrian economics is, is, is a fantasy. It's not even real. It's a con game. Yeah, Why can't they get that? My experience and I think it explains a lot. I noticed when I started doing the show and my eyes were open, I went back and talked to my investment banking friends and they're hard, you know, I hardly have any now because we parted ways so much, but I was telling one guy who really thought would be under want to know, it's like, Oh my gosh, like this, that, and the other thing. And he said, I work hard and I am rewarded. The system works as far as I'm concerned. And I don't want to know if it's bad and it's, it's that ethical glass ceiling, as my sister calls it. And John Updike's, you know, it's hard to convince somebody if their wallet, their paycheck depends on them not being convinced. And so at, at Harvard, I would say, I thought I would struggle. Like I thought I was going to be at the bottom and I wasn't. So there were people who were smarter than I was and people who were not as smart, but, uh, I would say, you know, and my kids now went to private high school, which I did not. And I, and like my son who has Down syndrome goes to the public. I have to say there is a much higher caliber. I think it's the high schools, those private high schools that really are the difference makers because right. people were shocked at how I could graduate from Harvard. Like I, I knew some people that I was in an in international program when I was a banker, like it was Citibank. So it was like, I knew people from all around the world and they were just shocked at how little I knew about everything. And I was like, I only went to Harvard two years. I said, well, they shouldn't have given you a degree. But it was the people who went to those private high schools who really have the leg up and who were really, really above average in intelligence. However, they are trained to say what the people who are giving them grades or jobs want. Uh, don't hear. get mad at me. Yeah. Don't, don't get mad, please. Okay, so they're, they're you know, in, in the layman segment, right, uh, a population, I, I, I will I will say it, 
you don't have to be a genius to memorize things and pass tests. That that that's not that doesn't impress me. I doctors don't impress me. I mean, right. you impress me, right? But you don't, you, yeah. you know. The, the, yes, yes, but you, they you know what do, I'm saying, and I, I don't mean that in in a bad way at all. Don't. But if you're learning the right thing, like like they don't in these private schools, they'll still teach them Shakespeare and stuff. And why is that important? Because I'm like Greek mythology, which will classical education. Yes. And what it does is you don't have to spend your life reinventing the wheel. If things that have over 3000 years been distilled as fundamental human characteristics, for example, like Catholicism is like this. That's why a friend of mine at law school is like, you're Catholic and you can't handle law school. Like that's all Catholicism is. So you have, these are fundamentals that it's so much easier to to just learn them from someone who knows them than to have to figure them out over a lifetime. No, you're right about that. Cause that's where, you know, I, I, I went to federal prison. I started reading though. I always read and I always researched and, you know, whether it was to make firecrackers when I was 12 years old, right. Or right. whether, you know, or how to make a, you know, a BMX ramp, you know, or, or how to, you know, do whatever to, 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 how do I make hash? Right. Not of panic, right? <laughs> yes, so all, for, for all, you know, my whole life, I will, I, I liked reading and I had a good reading comprehension level. So no matter what it was, I found out myself about it. Right. I got a GED. I didn't make it past 10th grade. And then everything else is self-educated. But I went to prison. I read a lot. And then I became a history lover. And then I learned things through history. And then as you look at history, which many of these people who are in charge with these gigantic degrees, I'm not sure they do. They, you can learn so much stuff. You see it repeating itself over and over here. And, you know, that's why the central banks is a big thing for me, because if you go back to their history all, all the way into the mid 1300s in France, I think is where they started out. Even in our first central bank that, you know, it was kicked out once and then it had Andrew Jackson, you know, they, they went to had to kick it out again. What they didn't, you know, that's why the war of 1812 was fought over us not recertifying England's, you know, our first central bank, which was an English bank. Right. People thought it was fought over some stupid thing with Marines in the water and crap. No, that was fought over the banks. You know, that was that that's why that happened, because we would not recertify. Their central bank, which is I did not know that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I had to catch up on my history. But you said that they they don't learn, they don't know. Like I feel like our, I I can't think of a statesman in good faith, you know, in our public arena right now. Like I cannot think of anybody who you could say, "Well, you'll understand this better if you read history." You know, I used to like Justin Amash, Amash, whatever his name was. Yeah, me too. But no, not anymore. No, I, somebody must have gotten to him. He found the horse's head in his bed. <laughs> I, think so. I think so. Because he used to post on his Facebook page the constitutional reason for every one of his congressional votes. Wow. And that in itself is a history book. And he... I mean, it was really the greatest single thing that was happening politically in this country. And he what was about Massey? Gone. What do you think? Um, of I've, I, you know, I try not to be hard on him or Rand Paul or whatever who say things that seem compromising to me. I forget what it was where he lost me on a couple of things. And I was like, you know what? Rand Paul's a senator. His father never made it to be senator. You know, like, maybe I don't trust Rand Paul because yeah. of the. 
his links with uh, the Remdesivir and all that, and his wife, and oh, there's a couple yeah. other things. I, I just, you know, that. Well, I, I love his dad, but I, I lost. He lost me when he did some. He said t- this. I think is a pattern with him. I kind of lost interest in like the actual nitty gritty of politics, but I recall with the USA Freedom Act which to me was, I absolutely saw this coming with Snowden. I was like, okay, why is he there? He's there. What it, listen to what he's saying. What he's saying is what the government is doing is illegal and we need to have this conversation. And so I said, oh, I'm right that he's like fake if what we do is have the conversation and then pass a law that makes all that stuff legal, which is right. what the USA Freedom Act was. So I predicted it two years in advance. I can probably find the tweets for you. And, nice. and it, yeah, because I put hashtag WTWOF, what to watch out for when I like make a prediction so I can search it quickly. So in any case, uh, when when that thing was, you know, teetering on the edge of passing or not passing, I feel like Rand grandstanded and that's the problem. Tried to get like said, I'm standing on principle, whatever. Same thing with like the TikTok act. There was a TikTok act, which was less bad than the one that's out there now that actually banned TikTok. And he's like, no. So now there's something worse. And then the other thing, like, I feel like this thing with um, Fauci, his public dispute with Fauci about the lab leak theory. To me, that's like the lie hop theory of 9-11. I don't know if you're familiar, like the let it happen on purpose. So the yeah. lab you know, they didn't actually do it. They just let it happen on purpose. Like the lab leak theory makes it seem like they didn't mean to spray the shit around the world. Exactly. And And another thing, he's throwing shade for them on the fact that the the big thing that I don't like about that is, Hey, we have these labs funded by the military industrial complex all over our country, all over the world who are playing with these things that if they get out, you know, and I know I'm putting this in a real dumbed down manner or a simple manner, but if they get out, they'll just wipe out humanity. Get some highly attainable anthrax, okay, and let that start working its way through the population. Who in the who in the Sam Hill are these people to do that? They're the same people that lit the nitrogen bomb in the atmosphere when they thought it was a 50-50 chance and kill us all. That's, Have you read Ted Kaczynski? What's that? I'm sure you haven't read Ted Kaczynski's Technological Slavery. Absolutely, I have. I, I've okay. read it, I, the whole thing. I've listened to it also. Um, don't get me going on Ted because I'm not – I don't agree with what he did. Of course. The man was smart. And this is what I'm going to say on this. He he said the scientists who are doing some of this experimental stuff in their calculus is I am going to live 85 years and I'm going to die. I'm working on this project. If I succeed, I will be rich, famous, immortal in reputation. And if I fail and wipe out the universe, I will just have died at 45 instead of 85. Like they don't actually weigh the impact of wiping out the universe. You know, like they cannot, you cannot weigh that impact in your individual decision. And I always thought that was interesting because he's like, look, there's a non-zero chance that somebody is doing something that devastating right now. A non-zero chance. That's all. Non-zero chance. And, and weighed by the, by the, by the unacceptability of the outcome of wiping out the universe, a non-zero chance is just too much. That's, that's see, of course, look at the results of what happens with your actions. If you take this action, this could happen or that could happen. If what could happen, the bad thing is super, super bad. 
right? Even if the odds are really, really low, you I might die, right? Why would I do that, right? Or I might wipe out. Now, dying is one thing. Wiping right. out the whole planet is a totally different thing. You're People not just risk their lives for glory. Yeah. yeah. People risk their lives for glory all the time. But, so, but these guys, the glory that they, the risk they're taking is not their lives. They're not evil Knievel. They're like Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader combined. <laughs> yeah. uh, Monica, I unfortunately, we're coming. Yo, to, you're good. Right on we're, schedule. We're, yeah, we're coming to a close. Um, we're probably going to be two minutes over schedule. But I want, you, I want you to plug yourself. Um, and listen. <laughs> I need to talk to you again. You are, you, there's a lot of stuff that I, I just want to run, run across you. Just talking with you is excellent. So just don't I mean, make me do homework until my move is finished. Right, right, right. You got a move going on. No, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. We got, you know, it's life is busy, right? We got life. I know. And I'm very excited because I've been renting and I just, uh, I just, I know, I, I don't even know. I, I don't, didn't really want to settle here in LA, but like one of my sons said, like, you just, you put so much into like the home and the family, like it needs to accrue to you. Like even our furniture is rented. Like this house we live in was furnished and he's like, we live in an Airbnb. Like you have to have something of your own. So we're way downsizing and, but it's, uh, and it's not as good. I keep telling people like, Oh, you're so excited about the house, mom. And they're like, don't you get excited though, because it's half the size and it's like a hundred years old and it's not going to be as good for you. And they're like, but you know, it's cool, whatever. So are you getting out of the city? It's, if you don't it mind me still, asking. yeah, it's still in LA County, but it is just, I mean, right up against the mountains there. I mean, mountains for LA right up against the mountains. And I mean, to the point where that's, so if you ever see a video of like a bear in somebody's kitchen, it's right. there. like there's bees in the backyard. The neighbors nice. have chickens. I have a little vineyard. That's so important. yeah, I mean, it's not a spread. It's like, it's definitely modest. If you're but... familiar with Kaczynski, he talks about the power process and I've taken, of course, I'm going to talk I've about take... that on my next deep dive. What? Wow. That's yes, awesome. I'm going to be listening on that one. I'm going to be listening on that one, but, uh, you know, and I think I, I, I kind of modify a little bit. There's a lot of things that can be said about that philosophy, but you need to be plugged in and the closer to nature you are, the more contentness you're going to have in your life. It's important. You know, I think, but where can the good folks who already, you got, I got a bunch of your viewers in my YouTube guys. Thanks for coming over. We got, um, plug yourself, say, angry. May I call you angry? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We got Joe, not a fed JC. I want to give him a shout out. You know, that's, that's important. We got yeah, Joe, not a fed JC. Um, and this else? was Isn't not a... with any warning. Like I just threw this up at the last minute. I didn't even wow. know you could do it. It's like, do you want to broadcast this on YouTube? And I just like clicked yes. And look at people were hopped right on Thank no you. yeah guys welcome welcome and that's Have pretty fun. cool i'll do that anytime i love the live thing in the we got, evening. we got number six over on rumble we got uh tom cooper who does a show with chris graves called conspiring with tom cooper over there and nice. of course we got we got chris graves and me and me and chris are we're talking about i'm oh. not I'm, I'm just saying we were talking about doing a unabomber okay. special all right, so i'm gonna do a deep dive somebody asked me to talk a little bit about it on saturday but we can definitely do a three-way as it were <laughs> nice. jc says she's seen your link on twitter Perfect. or jc her him or her i'm not sure sorry Perfect. but okay JB. but yeah so where can everybody find you yeah, JC's him. um jb is her what 
Where can people find me? Deep Dives with Monica Perez is my latest work. And it has, I think it might even have archives from my original Monica Perez show deep, deep down in there, in that feed. I'm not sure. Nice. But um, so you can find all of that has commercials, but on iTunes, you can subscribe and not get the commercials, which is nice for me because I'm not, I don't, I don't break even every month anymore. Uh, so that's great for me, but listening to commercials is great too. Rockfin.com slash deep dives. And then if you want to pick and choose, search, get show notes and everything like that, go to Monica's deep dives.com. Nice. Uh, Monica, thank you very much for coming on into the tiger's den and roaring for Liberty the way you did. Nice. It was awesome. Um, I am angry tiger. You can find me on all TNP platforms. You can find me on Rumble. You can find me on YouTube. It's called the Angry Tigers Den. Um, and where else can you find me? On Substack, Angry Tigers Newsletter. So check it out. Uh, if you like what I do, throw a couple bucks my way, and I will improve my setup. And the the better show I can produce for you, that's, uh, that's what we're looking to do there, ladies and gentlemen. And please, like and share. If you're, you know, Monica, for Monica too, sometimes are, you know, even me, I, I watch podcasts and I forget, you know, I'm watching you David. Subscribe on iTunes. If you subscribe on yes. iTunes, it pulls you up in the search engine. And I think that we should take up a collection for you, Angry Tiger, to get a sure mic. Nice. Sure mic. It's $400. You need one. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll try to do that, Monica. He needs $400. <laughs> I never asked for anything. <laughs> I never asked for anything, but you just, he needs a new mic. Nice. Well, thank you, life changing, A life-changing event is getting the show. I got it for Christmas a couple of years ago for my husband, and it's just like the best thing. Oh, really wow. So, <laughs> see something to aspire for. Thanks, yeah. Monica. She, she does. She even, guys, get her on your show. She even does plugging for you. It's excellent. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I just think, you know, share the love here. That's what you need. Somebody needs something. Get it to a little barn raising for Angry's podcast. Thanks. No, that's awesome. Thank you, Monica. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning into the Tiger's Den. And remember this, time is your most valuable commodity. Try not to waste it. Cherish it and use it wisely. Spend it doing something you love with someone you love or improving yourself or preferably all three of those things. Ladies and gentlemen, until we meet again. Knowledge by itself is not power. Your time is your most valuable commodity. Cherish it and use it wisely until we meet again.